1: We're Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the World Wide Web. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Google Play. We're on Spotify. Anywhere you can find podcasts, you can find. Locked On Packers, the number one NFL show on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you to everyone who has made that possible. And if you want to contribute to the show, if you want to ask a question, if you want to add a comment, you can hit up the Locked On Packers fan hotline at 920-341-3775. It seems like the amount of you who want to contribute has accelerated, which is great. Please continue to do that. I'm, just, I'm going to remind you. If you want your question answered on air, I need your name and where you're from. And do me a favor. I actually I had a great voicemail left by uh, a fan in in Sacramento, and you just can't drop F bombs. I'm not gonna play it. Uh, it was it was a really good voicemail. It was amusing to me. I appreciated it. And and the person who sent it will know that they're the one that sent it. But. I, I, I can't play it. I'm sorry. I wish I could. Uh, not that there are kids listening. It's just one of those things. It is just one of those things. So, again, I, I appreciate um, people wanting to contribute and ask questions and, and all of that. So please continue to do that because I think it just it makes for a better experience for the listeners. It, it makes my experience better, truly. I mean, I am having more fun doing this show because you guys are feeling like you're a part of it, and that is really great. We have Nick Ashew, my counterpart in Washington, for a crossover Wednesday brought to you by MyBookie.ag. That is going to be something we are going to try and do just about every Wednesday. Bring in the uh, the host of our cousin show, sister show, brother show. I don't, you know, I don't know what the phrasing is. Whatever you want to call it. Uh, Nick is going to join us in a little bit to break down the one-and-one opponent that the Packers will face at FedEx Field, Uh, I believe still in Maryland, Washington. is. I I had a question on on Twitter, and I suppose I might as well address it now because I'll probably get more questions about it. This is the, the Washington professional football team, and that's as far as it goes for me. And if if that's a problem for you, that's, that's a you thing. It, that's just, it is what it is. And it's a choice that I've made and I don't write it in the work that I do professionally. I don't say it in the work that I do professionally. I don't tweet it. That is a choice that I get to make as a content creator. If you want to make a different choice, that is your right. That is your prerogative. This is my show. And so I'm going to refer to them however I want to refer to them. If you have a problem with it, no one's forcing you to be here. I appreciate everyone that is still here, uh, and and I do find it ironic if you have a problem with it. But that is neither here nor there. I just, it is early in the week, and I wanted to address it. I had a question about it, Um, and so you know that just is what it is. You know, Nick does not necessarily feel that way. He covers the team. He's there in the building every day for a living, and he's made a choice and I've made a choice and that's fine. Um, So uh, that's, that's really all I want to say about that Uh, before we, before we get to Nick though um, there are a couple things that I want to get to. The first is Seattle lost on Monday night and the Seahawks happened to have a player at a position of potential need for the Packers. I wrote about this Acme packing company and I think it's, it's, Worth calling, if you're Brian Gudekinst to see what the situation is with Earl Thomas. Green Bay needs a safety. The The, the play of HaHa Clinton-Dix and Kendrell Bryce has just not been good enough. And Earl Thomas has a problem with being in Seattle. He wanted a new contract. The Seahawks didn't want to give him one. This is the last year of his deal he held out. He wanted to be traded to the Cowboys. That didn't happen. Well, I understand the. the Seahawks saying, we're not going to trade you before the year. Apparently, Dallas offered a second, according to reports. Seattle said, no thanks. But now that they're 0-2, and historical probabilities say they have about a 10% chance of making the playoffs. Are they now willing to give up a player to get a draft pick back when they don't plan long-term to have this guy around? It is worth exploring that possibility at the very least. And I, I just think it's weird that I've gotten the response from fans that it's like, well, well, we need a pass rush first. Okay, here's how this works. Number one, it's not, that's a false choice. You, it's not, oh, if, if the Packers add a safety, their pass rush doesn't get better or they can't in the future make their pass rush better. Here is the thing. The secondary can make your pass rush better. We saw it in week one. The fact that Mitch Trubisky was not getting open looks with his first option caused him to hold the ball and gave the Packers time to get to him. The reason they won the game on that last play, Nick Perry, got that sack is because Trubisky didn't get the ball out right away. Nick Perry was on him in a hurry, but the coverage was good. There were a lot of coverage sacks or coverage pressures, coverage hurries in week one. There were fewer of them in week two. In fact, Green Bay got a lot more real pressure and real hurries, and Kirk Cousins just stood in the face of that pressure and made throw after throw after throw. Kirk Cousins was freaking lights out for most of the game, and yet if that penalty is called correctly, he throws two picks to end the game, and the Vikings lose, and the whole thing, and we've been over this 100 times. The other thing to consider here, though, is there is no Earl Thomas-level player on the market. The guy that was in that stratosphere has already been moved and the Packers missed out. And based on reports, and we haven't talked about these reports, but there have been subsequent reports post-Khalil Mack trade that once the the Bears became part of the conversation, Oakland identified them as being the most likely to have a high first-round pick, and they didn't re-engage with the other people who had inquired about Mack. So the Bears, they thought, could have a top 10, top 15 pick. So even a team like the Jets, who reportedly would have matched the two first-round picks that, that the Raiders were looking for in this deal, did not get the opportunity to do that because Oakland felt Chicago had a better chance of having a higher pick. You have to assume the same is true of Green Bay. Oakland knew if they traded Khalil Mack to the Packers... The Packers are a Super Bowl favorite, and th- that pick is only going to be in the 30s. If if the Bears get Khalil Mack, they're still probably only going to be a six, seven, eight win team, and they're going to get a mid first round pick out of it. It was not so much that the Packers failed to get it, but a, a process driven outcome for Oakland where they said, This is what we want to do. We want to get a team that's going to give us the highest pick. That is just, it is what it is. The Packers did not have the same opportunity as the Bears, it sounds like, to make that kind of deal. But back to the original point, the Packers, there is no other pass rusher out there that could make as big an impact on the Packers as Earl Thomas could. There's that background with Mike Pettin. They know what they'd be getting in a potential trade. So that's matters, and he can come in, and and maybe you give up HaHa Clinton Dix, and you give Seattle a younger safety that they can then decide if they want to sign. They have the rest of the season to to try and decide if they want to sign him, and they go from there, and Green Bay gets an all-pro safety, a guy that's gone to six Pro Bowls in seven seasons as a contributor. Earl Thomas can still be a high-impact player, and he's not going to cost as much as Khalil Mack, probably more like half of what Khalil Mack costs. And they'd have to do some finagling salary-wise because they only have a little under $5 million this year. But they could make it work, especially if they're sending out salary, if they're sending out a Jason Spriggs, if they're sending out a HaHa ha Clinton Dix, if they're sending out Clay Matthews. They can make this work, and, and Green Bay could could create some space. Before we get to Nick... If you are a D.C. area Packer fan and you want to get to the game on Sunday, you should be using Vivid Seats. And it's not just for Packers tickets. If you want to go to a concert, a show, or any sporting event of your choice at a great price, Vivid Seats is the best option you can find to make things even better. Vivid Seats is giving customers an exclusive promo code for $20 off orders of $200 or more to save you even more money. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Use the promo code locked on for $20 off a $200 purchase or more. Every purchase at Vivid Seats is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater tickets and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and enter promo code LOCKED ON for $20 off orders of $200 or more. If you were at Lambo for week one, you have a memory for a lifetime. So make that kind of memory and let Vivid Seats help you get there when you use the promo code LOCKED ON to get a $20 discount on orders of $200 or more.
0: is america's number one organic bread for a reason it tastes so stinking good dave's killer bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-gmo ingredients and is power packed with whole grains fiber and protein visit dave's to learn more and look for dave's killer bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store
1: all right let's bring in nick Ashew. he said it's like cashew but with no c you can find him on one hundred six point seven. The Fan. He's on NBC Sports Washington. He is also he is also my colleague at the Locked On Podcast Network. Nick, thanks for joining Lockdown Packers.
3: Of course, happy to be on, man. It's, uh, it's been a rough, rough week on the Redskins side of things. Let's just say
1: that. <laughs> well, and and after a, a week one that I think was was somewhat surprising for a lot of people, and then it turns out Arizona is just really bad. So. Uh, what do you what, what do you make of Arizona? Or excuse me, what do you make of of where Washington is after two weeks?
3: Well, I can make of Arizona that they lied to us and made us think the Redskins were better than what they were. <laughs> uh, when it comes to the Redskins, I, look, I, look, going into the season, I thought seven and nine, eight, eight and I'll tell you this: I mean, look, it's not like Redskins fans are the only fan base where. A lot of the fans are psychopaths and think they're going to be a 12-win team every year. There are fans that think the Redskins are going to be a 12-win team every year. They're not. I look at the Redskins right now as a team that has the potential to be, one, better than what they were last year, but, two, has a lot of things to still work out. They've got, look, numerous players, especially on this offense, that are new that don't look prepared yet for this season. Week one was nice. Because apparently against Arizona, they're like what the Browns used to be. And although that's not like the Browns actually won a game yet, but they're still, you know, you your stats against a little bit. You watch them and you go, oh man, our game's looking great. Like, the worst thing for the Redskins to have was Arizona week one. Because everybody got way too confident from the organization, to the players, to the fan base. And you think, oh man, 12 wins, here we go. This is totally going to be turned around now. And it's not happening. Look, Adrian Peterson is a nice fill in for them with Darius Geis out for the year. Darius Geis was going to be their feature back. Cares is ACL. you got to move on. The Redskins haven't had a good running game since Clinton Portis. So they've been looking for somebody that could be a good running back for them for a long time and run the ball consistently. Adrian Peterson's not going to be that guy. Now, is he going to have games like he had week one? 26 carries, 96 yards? Yes. But is he also going to have games like he had week two where he averages 1.9 yards a carry? Mm. Yes. And that's going to be part of the frustration or guys like Alex Smith, is he needs weapons around him, and we've seen that. And he loves to dump the ball off to tight ends, to running backs like Chris Thompson, who, by the way, the Redskins were led in receiving by a running back against the Colts, and their leading rusher was a wide receiver. So that shows you how discombobulated the offense was against the Colts for the season opener. It was a mess, but... They do have some weapons that Alex Smith can be comfortable with. The thing is, now, they've got to get other guys involved. And we know that Alex Smith, in the past, he doesn't really like throwing outside to his receivers very much.
1: Yeah, so if, when, as you look at this team, and as you pointed out, it, it's tough to tell much after two weeks, given the teams that they played. Indianapolis also, we, at least at this point, we don't think is a world-beater, so... If you were gonna, if you were gonna point out and say these are, the, this is the one or two or even three areas where this team is really strong, where would you point to? I
3: look. I, I still look at. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm afraid to say this, but I still think overall, when healthy, that offensive line is still a pretty strong offensive line. They did not look good week two, so it makes me sound stupid when I say that right now. <laughs> But when they're healthy, and we saw it last year as well, that when they were healthy, they do a good job of at least pass blocking for this team. Now, is that going to change after what we saw against the Colts team that really has no pass rush whatsoever? Maybe. And maybe I'll feel stupid three weeks from now when they still look the same. But I still do have confidence overall generally in this offensive line. I will tell you this. The defensive line for the Redskins was one of their biggest weaknesses, if not the biggest weakness last year. They were the worst team against the run. They allowed 134 yards a game on the ground, but they went out and now they have Jonathan Allen healthy, knock on wood. They have Matt Unitas, they're on the defensive end, healthy, who was a guy that was came out of Rutgers and really was never thought to be somebody that was going to be a major contributor necessarily to this team after his rookie year. And now he's become a stud for them. And you draft Ron Payne in the first round. Your base 3-4 defensive line right there looks really good. And it really may end up being the strength of them. I still like what the recipes are on both interior lines. But, you know, the biggest thing, too, and I'm sure you guys know this as well, uh, help really dictates how your team season is going to go.
1: Yeah, that's true for any team, unfortunately. And unless you're, you know, a team like the Eagles, uh, it is tough to weather those injuries. And even they are obviously dealing with, with some of those issues right now. Um, if you were going to create a game plan and say how – this is how I would attack this Washington team. Uh, w- would it be more or less what the Colts did in Week Two, or or, or just sort of uh, give me give me how you would attack this team based on where their weaknesses are?
3: I mean, right now I'd stop the box and force Alex Smith to have to make plays on the run, and I would make sure that they didn't. But Alex Smith has, has to throw the ball outside more because. Josh Doxson, who was their first-round pick a couple of years ago, is shown right now he's either injured or has stone hands. He can't catch the football. And Alex Smith doesn't really have any confidence in him. So if you could stop Chris Thompson out of the backfield, their running back caught 13 passes last week against the Colts, who's probably their best offensive weapon, maybe even more than Jordan Reed right now. If you're able to stop that and force Alex Smith to throw the ball to guys like Paul Richardson, to guys like Josh Doxson, they just added two other receivers like Rashawn Perryman, who has – just can't, like He's a receiver that can't catch the football, but I guess they're going to try and throw him out there unless he can play running back for them. I'm not really sure at this point. But if you force Alex Smith to get out of those comfort zones and throw to guys like Dachshund, to Paul Richardson, people he doesn't have as much confidence in, you're going to beat this game pretty easily because we saw that happen. We do, and the Colts made it look really, really easy.
1: Let's get back to Nick in just a second, but I want to tell you about MyBookie.ag. They are the sponsor of crossover Wednesday. Did you know my bookie? They create odds for just about everything. They have odds for if Colin Kaepernick is going to play again this year, odds for if he's going to win his lawsuit against the NFL. One of the reasons Eric Reed may not be currently employed is because he now has a grievance against the NFL. And my guess is my bookie has odds. And if they don't now, they might after the show. Just me saying it might be enough for my bookie to create odds for you because that's the kind of site my bookie is. If you can put money on it, my bookie will give you odds for it. They have live in-game betting, they have a great mobile website, and they have been doing this for a long time. There's no tricks, there's no gimmicks. This is just a great place to win cash when you pick the games correctly, and it's not just it's not just the in-game stuff, it's not just the live betting stuff. You can bet on fantasy points scored, all sorts of things over-unders. I personally have $50 on the Packers to win the Super Bowl right now, so you could put money on the Packers to win too. Get great odds at mybookie.ag. The thing is right now, mybookie has become so popular and so slammed with new bettors that they want to incentivize you to join after 7 p.m., after the busiest time that they have. And if you do, they'll give you an additional $25 in free play on a deposit over $100. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use the promo code LOCKDOWN25 to get that additional $25 free on your deposit over $100 when you join after 7 p.m. MyBookie.ag, you play, you win, you get paid.
2: Hey, listen up, FanDuel Fantasy Players. Your day is about to get 20% better.
1: back to Nick. And, and one of the things that they were able to do was they were, they were able to get after this this Washington defense uh, with their tight ends. There was the, the Eric Ebron touchdown on the opening drive. Andrew Luck did on that first drive make it look easy. What is the status of that secondary? They have Josh, Josh Norman. I know the secondary played a lot better in week one. But again, this was against the Cardinals. Do you have to just take a performance like we saw in week one and say, well, maybe it doesn't matter as much?
3: Uh, look, I, there are still so many. It, it's funny that you bring this up because, like, I, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. There are still so many questions on this team overall. We look at – so, like, coming into this season, the biggest question mark to me with the Redskins was their secondary, right? Yeah. Because you had Josh Norman – is an established better but at the same time had no interceptions last year didn't play as well as he did the first year after that your number two quarter was Quentin Dunbar who's a converted receiver now Quentin mm-hmm. Dunbar right now has looked really good weeks one and two I mean yep. he's been all over the place helping generate turnovers getting hands on the ball things like that
1: awesome but, in week one
3: like, when I yeah I mean he was fantastic week one and that, that's that's what we've been hoping for, but like after that, when they traded away Kendall Fuller, who really became a great slot corner for them in the Alex Smith trade to Kansas City, you know, you thought, okay, well, maybe Morrow was somebody who they drafted out of UCLA, first round, mm-hmm. great injury, so dropped a little bit. Redskins maybe out a steal. You hope that he can then contribute on top of that and become their next slot corner, become that guy that's going to be, you know, the third corner that you can turn on to make plays, but not necessarily your starter. Right now you you see flashes of what they can be. I'm gonna tell you this. Josh Norman is going to be the candidate if he does not if he does not live up to the salary that he's making this year to be cut next offseason. Fans were already asking for him to be cut this past offseason, but you know how fans are. They're illogical and automatically mm-hmm. assume that one guy in one bad year, he should be gone no matter what, and it's not necessarily that simple. But I'm telling you, as it continues, more and more people start to whisper that maybe he was more of a product of that Carolina defense. Now, you couldn't get rid of him this year because of, like I said, so many question marks in the secondary for them. But, you know, I look at that the Redskins secondary overall and say – I like what Dunbar has become after that, including Josh Norman. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I can count it this
1: entire season. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned Norman as a potential, maybe scapegoat is the wrong word, but I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm sort of wondering in a division that has the defending Super Bowl champions and the Cowboys have shown a little bit of life, Mm-hmm. Um, Washington has the bye week in week four, but then they have New Orleans, Carolina, Dallas, Atlanta, uh, Tampa Bay, oh, the and, and gauntlet, five of the next the gauntlet, weeks. Man. I mean, there's a really it's a really difficult schedule, really the rest of the way. If they go five and 11, 6 and ten, uh, I mean, do they have a new coach in 2019? There's there's a very real possibility of
3: that. It's, it's funny because you know, Jay Burton is the first coach under Dan Snyder to get an extension as the head coach of the Redskins. It's never happened before, under Dan Snyder. So he's finally addressed a little bit of <laughs> that continuity. That seems impossible. Right? Put the Redskins in a position. Right, which <laughs> but, uh, it's crazy to think of. Let me tell you something. You guys are so lucky with what you deal with because you've had so much continuity, and you're down here in Washington, and we're just hoping for a coaching staff to stick together for a few years. And people generally are happy that Jake Rubin got that extension because, look, as sad as it is, a team that's hovering around 500 and has one division title and play- has played in a playoff game under Jay Gruden, we're excited about it down here. So it's great that that's actually happened. But that being said, if they go 6-10 and ten, and it's not another year where the Redskins are decimated by injuries, because last year, I mean, it got to the point where the offensive line, there weren't enough offensive linemen to actually have a practice for the Redskins. They were so just destroyed by all the injuries they had. If it's not the case in that sense, and it's actually just this team starts to spiral out of control, with where you talked about, the gauntlet of the schedule coming, I mean, if you're dealing with an Aaron Rodgers and a Drew Brees and a Cam Newton, and you continue through that schedule, and it's tough, and you're playing tough quarterbacks, if this spirals out of control, yes, there is a very real possibility that ownership just says, right, this can't happen, we're going to have to find somebody new to take this team to the next level. I'll say this, As much as the Redskins have had the reputation of being dysfunctional and being a mess, they've made a conscious effort, one, on the field, to make this about football. And it's been quiet the past couple of off-seasons where it's just been about football. But two, they have new people that are actually in the front office that are on the fan experience side of things, the stadium operation side of things, where they're being honest and they're like, look, we want to make it a better experience for you fans. We want you to come back to the games because... I don't know if you saw, the Redskins' home opener at 57,000 people there, which is a tiny number. It was the lowest home opener that they've ever had since, like, the 70s. So it's, it's a really bad situation, and fans are fed up with that. So the organization will have to also balance whether or not they want to make that move because then they're definitely going to take another PR. A lot of people just assume, well, same old Redskins again, which really hasn't been the case. But it's 6-10, this spiral my control, you can't really blame them for making another change.
1: Well, you, you won't have to worry about that this Sunday because uh, there'll be 15,000 Packer fans in Maryland oh, for the game. No, so. Are
3: you kidding me? It's probably <laughs> going to be 30,000 Packer fans there at FedEx Field. It's going to be
1: ridiculous. <laughs> Nick, I appreciate you joining the show. Let my let my listeners know where they can find more of the work that you do. Uh,
3: so I'm at Nick Ashew on Twitter. I'm on the website too, Nickashew.com, as well as uh, 106.7 The Fan in D.C., and uh, NBC Sports Washington and NBCSportsWashington.com.
1: Nick, I appreciate you taking the time this week. Hey, man, anytime, man. I would say good luck to you this week, but how about good luck after this week? That's what we'll do. <laughs> Deal. I want to thank Nick again for joining the show. If you're a D.C. area Packer fan, He's still someone you should be following on Twitter. You can listen to the show, get all the latest Washington stuff. He covers more than just football, so someone to be aware of if you live in the DC area in particular. I got this great note on the Locked on Packers uh, fan hotline. Hello Peter. What's happening? And it says, what up? It's Dylan from Arizona. Again, not a question, but I just want to say I take full responsibility for the tie. I switched my game day jersey, and there's no doubt in my mind we would be 2-0 if I didn't do that. I'll be wearing my usual game day Rogers jersey for the rest of the season, and we will finish 15-0-1. Go Pack, go. Dylan, I think I speak for everyone when I say, how dare you? Figure it out. No. Uh, I, I appreciate the note. I think uh, a lot of fans can can appreciate having that kind of superstition. And hopefully it works. Let's start this week with uh, with a win in week three. Get the Packers. Let them be. I said yesterday that there were three NFC undefeated teams. There's actually four. I forgot the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Thank you to um, the listener that pointed that out. I, I forgot about Tampa Bay because, well, um, it's Tampa Bay. And no one really thinks that they're a legitimate NFC contender, but who knows? Maybe they are. We will see. A lot more to discuss this week. Tomorrow we'll go deep into this team, the scouting report, more strengths and weaknesses, player by player, and and where the Packers can take advantage of some of the things that that Washington does well, some of the things that they maybe don't do as well. And that will be part of the process. We are we are still early in the week in terms of injuries. Uh, Josh Jones said that he plans to play this week. I think there's a really good chance Oren Burks plays, and that'll be critical because Chris Thompson is one of the best pass-catching running backs in the entire league. Jordan Reed is obviously an outstanding tight end when he's healthy, and right now he is. So I think this is going to be another week where Mike Patton deploys a lot of corners. They play a lot of dime personnel, a lot of six, seven defensive backs. And you put Josh Jackson on Jordan Reed. You put Jermaine Whitehead on Chris Thompson and you say, or or Josh Jones, if that's how they want to go. And you basically say, if you want to run Adrian Peterson 25 times, good luck. We don't think Alex Smith can beat us when we're in sub-package personnel. And, and if that's the tactic that they want to go, look, I think they're right. So uh, we'll see. We'll keep an eye on those injuries as we move through the week. Remember, uh, you can hit us up at the Lockdown Packers. Uh, fan hotline 920 341 3775. You can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Review us on iTunes. Share the love of the Locked On Packers podcast. We are the number one NFL show on the Locked On Podcast Network because of you. Thank you so much for, for listening, for your support and always stay locked on, Packers.